Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your now having a defensive coordinator, Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Network, streaming on Sirius XM and TuneIn Radio. I am Sam Marku, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Cullen. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? I like how you said doctor and put like the pro- you know the finger up like a proctologist. You know, you did everything but slap the glove. Um, and, it, and that reminds me of the John Mulaney bit. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Great bit. Look it up. Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, as far as the off season goes, I mean, I guess there's still football to be played. We're in that weird realm where there's senior bowls and combines coming up. We're talking, we're thinking free agency and tampering and the Super Bowl is a couple of weeks away. So there's like kind of that dead period. So as far as a sports fan goes, I mean, I'm okay. But as far as like Dolphins news and ramping up for 2023, uh, doing good. How about you, man? Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking of the Senior Bowl, we do have a guest coming up here in just a little bit. Joe DeLeon from the Believe Network. Uh, he's actually, I don't even know if Chris knows this because uh, I handle a lot of the back end stuff. He's actually the producer of the show. <laughs> Chris wouldn't even know that. Chris is just talent, ladies and gentlemen. Chris, like, I don't give a shit about any of this other stuff. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, uh, I thought you did everything. And like, uh, we just like sent emails to believe and be like, Hey, we we're posting shit. So yeah, well, you're that's, right. That's yeah. pretty much what, you know, that is what it is. But I mean, Joe apparently uh, gets credit for producing that. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Good job. Good to meet you. Um, it's funny. You said uh, on the talent and believe me, I, I know you're, you say that in jest, um, but I did used to intern for the Dan Levitard show and the show would start at four um end at six maybe seven dan would roll in at 358 and walk in <laughs> and they would go from most and most topical thing on his desk in front of his microphone and then uh a side sheet of what pti is talking about that day um because that's obviously the most topical and then he would, would go okay and put his <laughs> headphones on the show would start he'd literally get into it the show ended and he was in his uh, convertible bmw with a cuban driving out at like 601 and yeah. uh there's so much going on behind the scenes before that like i was there three hours before the show we're coming up with guest lists calling to confirm they'll be ready at this time and he would just show up talking a microphone and leave i'm the d uh level dan lebertard of the, the podcast world I, uh, I, during, uh, the height of the pandemic, I was running, um, and streaming comedy shows from my house. Cause that was really the only thing I could do. And I was getting sponsored by these different comedy clubs and, and different, um, um, comedy agencies to, because there was just no audience. So anything they could latch onto, they could. So I did this 24 hour takeover of levity live, which owns like San Jose improv and Hollywood improv and all these different places. And, uh, and, and it was going to culminate. So every hour I would post something, right. And then it would culminate in like a live show from my house with myself and this comedian named Sammy Obeyed, who's the host of a hundred humans on Netflix. If you, uh, if you, if you are so inclined to uh, say, Hey, I, I heard a guy say that guy's name and now I'm watching his show. 
Uh, but Sammy is notoriously late to everything, everything. So I was texting Sammy. I'm like, look, we have a large audience. We're talking like tens of thousands of people that are going to be watching this content. I need you at my house prior to going live. I just don't, I don't want to risk you being late. So of course this motherfucker, I'm, I am live. I am now talking into this actual microphone streaming from my living room and, and I'm texting him off the side. So it's not on camera. And he's like, Oh, I'm like five minutes away. So I'm like, okay, I got to do five minutes. And he's literally, I could hear the car pull up. And as I'm introducing him as the like, you know, headliner of my stupid living room streaming comedy show, he walks through the front door and just walks right onto it. Just very much like a Dan Levitard ass, like wasn't there for the other 24 hours of me taking this over from a social media standpoint, didn't do anything to produce or help, but showed up showed out, killed it for an hour in front of nobody other than myself. And then, of course, who got all the praise for it? He did. Yeah, of course. That's the way it goes. I mean, that's why I'm the two-time Hall of Famer. And Dan Levitard does his own podcast. It's, uh, you know, paying him way more than uh, uh, ESPN did. So <laughs> that's that's when you know you got it, Sam. One day, maybe it'll come to you, buddy. Well, maybe it will. And, uh, you know, getting paid is something you can do at Bet Online, ladies and gentlemen. That's because Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL playoffs to Pro Bowl and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And speaking of that, Chris, um, if you if you hate those live reads, because I just drop them in whenever and Chris has to just take a powder for a minute while I talk, that's Joe DeLeon. That is our guest later. He's the one who provides me that copy. He is actually producing revenue for the show. So we say Joe doesn't do anything, and that's because he doesn't, but uh, he does get us money. So we're okay to have him on the show. Plus, he has his own podcast where he is actually uh, scouting college players. So he, he knows what he's talking about. He's at the Senior Bowl. I'm going to talk to him about offensive line, running backs, and, of course, linebackers, which – Leads me to my very first topic here today, Chris. Uh, let's not bury the lead or bury the bone any further. Vic Fangio is officially, unofficially, possibly, perhaps, most likely, the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins in 2023 and hopefully beyond. Uh, our long national nightmare is over. Apparently, apparently, he had a bunch of offers on the table. He was the name, the leader in the clubhouse. He's the guy that we first identified on this show when we found out Josh Bora was being fired as the guy that we wanted uh, about a week ago, it was turned out that he accepted the job and then he hadn't accepted the job. And then, of course, he's interviewing with all these other teams or maybe he wasn't. Nobody really fucking knows is the point. But what we do know, he is now agreed to terms and he will be officially signing the paperwork after the Super Bowl, where he is now currently a consultant for the Philadelphia Eagles, the NFC champions. Uh, your thoughts, Vic Fangio, possibly, perhaps, most likely, but not oh, not officially, officially the defensive coordinator. Yeah, if you've listened to the show, you know that's who we wanted um, and who I wanted from the beginning. So I'm glad we got him. Uh, if it's actually happening, <laughs> when Schefter tweets it and Pelissero tweets it, um, usually it's pretty on good authority that that it's happening. And there's there's been other reports of guys at the Senior Bowl that have heard the same. So um, happy to have that news like a f officially broken. I mean, like, like you said, I, until I see the actual team tweet it, uh, the dolphins tweet it. Um, I'm just still going to be like, it's something's going to happen here. That's going to, that, that's going to mess this up. Uh, pen pens, not to paper yet. 
but if it is, if all things go as as being reported, very very stoked about it because I mean I, we all know we saw the offensive numbers from this team. Obviously, the injuries kicked us in the butt. But if our defense was even like half competent, we would have contended for a stronger seed in the playoffs with a possibility of winning one or two of those games. And I think Vic Vangio has been around the block enough. He brings the experience to help Mike McDaniel in the year two. Um, he's a no nonsense kind of guy, which is a nice little peanut butter to jelly to Mike McDaniel. I think that um, th these players on the team will buy into uh with with his success i mean if you look at the past like i think it was five defenses he coached as coordinator they're like in top 10 top five every year so he's already familiar with chubb you got jalen phillips the, the hollands uh hopefully a healthy healthy x uh some replacements at linebacker uh this guy is going to be fun to watch because you know his type of defense is aggressive he, you know he he, he disguises things and comes after the quarterback. So it, it's going to be fun to watch as a team. And with the offense that we have, we have a defense that can get us the ball back. We can do some dangerous things. Yeah. So a couple of things that have come out of this. So uh, this seems like a, a perfect match for the Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel, and of course, Vic Fangio, by the way, uh, Vic Fangio's middle name is Mick. So Vic Mick Fangio uh, almost sounds like big Dick Fangio. Uh, plus, you got McDaniel, McDaniel, McFangio. I mean, it all just seems to make sense here, Chris. But just a couple of Vic things. Mick. That, Vic, Vic Mick. Vic Mick. It's probably Victor Mick, but uh, I like Vic Mick. Vic Mick Fangio. Yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds like a like a shitty bar band. You're going to go see like <laughs> yeah, we're going to go see uh, Vic Mick Fangio. It's, it's really good. They're opening for the, you know, three toed sloths. It's going to be a good night. Well, you know, that's, that's that's why people tune into Perfectville, ladies and gentlemen. Others are going to break down, you know, uh, the gap responsibilities in a Vic Fangio defensive line or the disguised coverages of your defensive backfield or the responsibilities of the linebackers to uh, be big, physical, and perhaps contain the run on the outside. But no, we're going to make fun of his middle name. That's, uh, that's, that's what, we, what do. we do. That's what we do to Mac McCorkle Jones. Fucking loser. Jesus. <laughs> McCorkle well, uh, Nick. He is. So, you know, I, I know a lot of people were kind of wringing their hands over whether or not Vic Fangio was going to come or not. I mean, it did seem like it was going to happen and maybe Tom Pelissero broke the news a little earlier than maybe everyone would have liked. So they tried to save face for a couple of days. Not quite sure, but you're right. It was funny because Tom Pelissero, Adam Schefter, the big names that actually have sources uh, are reporting that this is a done deal. Barry Jackson, you know, South Florida zone, uh, basically flipping off everyone for the last week saying it's done. I don't know what you guys are talking about. And then of course you get like some pissant Twitter guy with four followers going, well, I heard he's maybe going to the Niners and it just creates all this discourse throughout the entire Twitter verse as to uh, whether or not he's coming or not. But uh, a couple of things, Vic Fangio, Mike McDaniel have the same agent. Okay. They really didn't cross paths in San Francisco, but I know there's a healthy respect between Mike McDaniel and Vic Fangio. In fact, last year after we hired Mike McDaniel, uh, the rumor was that he wanted to bring Vic Fangio with him as his defensive coordinator a year ago. Um, but he was quote unquote saddled, I think with, with, uh, Josh Boyer and the defense that was currently here, which I think Mike McDaniel was okay with because the defense was good up until it wasn't right. So why change something that's not broke? Uh, turns out it did break uh, for many reasons, maybe some that were Josh Boyer's fault, some that were not, but a change was made. And of course, he goes out and gets his guy. Rumor is he is now the highest paid assistant or defensive coordinator uh, or coordinator in general in the league. Um, I like the fact that, yes, he wasn't a head coach and maybe didn't do great in Denver as a head coach. But to your point, Chris, a fantastic coordinator. He was the guy that everyone was tying uh, him to in terms of all the different teams that needed defensive coordinator, including the San Francisco 49ers. 
Um, he has a defense that disguises coverages really well pre-snap. And that's really good, especially when you're talking about uh, a team that is looking to use Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb to get to the quarterback quickly, um, taking away the reads or the processing time for young quarterbacks, especially to understand what the coverages are prior to the snap happening is a good thing. Uh, that's what he specializes in a lot of zone coverage, not knowing exactly what type of zone they're doing to your point about helping X. I think that's going to help him as his athleticism is starting to break down a little bit. He used to be very good man to man. He could actually sneak and let the wide receiver think he was getting away and then close that gap upon the pass and knock it down or pick it off. He doesn't have that athleticism as much anymore as he gets a little bit older. So I am, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what Vic Fangio can do with the current pieces. And this also gives us a little bit of insight as to maybe what pieces he's going to go out and get when it comes to the linebacking core, Chris. Well, and that's going to be the thing now that you have the chef, you know, when you have the chef, it's fun to go grocery shopping because you're just like, Ooh, he's, he can make me a beef Wellington and he can do this with the filet mignon. Uh, I wonder what he's going to cook up with this pasta and chicken. So that's what we're going to do with the Vic Vangio now with the Javon. I mean, you got to, you know, he's got to be licking his chops, looking at this young roster yeah. of guys and uh, knowing that there's, Stop gaps in place, guys that maybe overachieved in Kahoo and 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 those and those guys maybe not maybe that's you know, a diamond in a rough that we found and uh, he can go out there and scheme with the talent that he has around him um, as a as a defensive coach and let Mike McDaniel handle the offense and Mike can sit back and let him handle the defense you know that's so, such a big deal when it comes to uh, being a head coach and offense coordinator at the same time is that he can I mean we all remember on the sideline him looking at Boyer saying fix this shit like fucking fix it like whatever he said to him uh he, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore and I, I know it was one year but Vangio's got head coach experience um tons of coaching experience and defensive coordinator experience and you add him with the the explosiveness of this offense uh it's really only going to come down in my opinion that very early prediction and and th- as we start February here um it, it's going to come down to is we stay healthy we're going to be one of the better more feared teams in the NFL yeah, I mean, I think he, you know, Vic Fangio, like you, you just mentioned the head coaching experience, and I had mentioned it previously as well. Uh, say what you want about him as a head coach. One of the things that I think Mike McDaniel really needs to surround himself with is experience when it comes yes. to head coaching. And, you know, you've got John Emery there as your tight ends coach slash assistant head coach. And then, of course, you have Vic Fangio. You know, these are guys that have been around the league for a very long time. Vic Fangio has done it at the highest level. Things like getting the play in, you know, uh, quicker Things like when to call a timeout, when to challenge, or or maybe a different process to make sure that that gets done in a timely manner. Picking somebody's brain who's done it before, even if they didn't do it the right way, you know, you can learn from that as well. So don't don't underestimate the experience that Vic Fangio brings to this team as a former head coach as well. I think that's uh, something that's going to be under under maybe understated, but uh, possibly. Uh, uh, not you know undervalued by the by the main people that are looking at this as strictly just for the defense, which it is right. But uh, no, I, I'm I'm excited about that. We talked a little bit about what you can see. I, I'm curious, Chris. You know, if you're Vic Fangio, you've now been hired. You know, obviously you're you're looking for the Eagles to win the Super Bowl as as their uh, consultant on the defense. But after that, you get started. What's the first thing Vic Fangio has to do to be successful as a defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins? Very first thing, first day on the job. Resign Christian Wilkins now. Resign him. Keep that young captain of this team 
that is, uh, in my opinion, the the heartbeat of the entire team, not just the defensive line and not just the defense. Christian Wilkins is celebrating with Waddle in the end zone and throwing guys up in the air. I mean, he is that presence in the locker room and on the field and on the sideline that you absolutely build your fucking team around and your defense around. And uh, if I'm him, that's the first time I'm doing is getting him signed and then worrying about linebackers. But the very first thing is getting Christian Wilkins locked up, paid as he deserves. Uh, so we don't have to worry about that because we already have the bookends with Chubb uh, and and Phillips. And, and then work on the little things like possibly getting Van Ginkle back if we can. Um, and then definitely 100% priority is to shore up the, the linebacker crew. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there are a couple holes, I think. I mean, we fired or we let go of, I think, four or five defensive uh, you know, coaches, right? Defensive coordinator Josh Boyer. I think we got rid of our outside linebackers coach. I, I do think he needs to take a look at who's currently on the roster. I wonder if they give him that much flexibility and say, hey, you keep or or get rid of anybody you want. This is your roster. Um, I, they do seem high, and by they, I mean the Miami Dolphins, on Anthony Campanelle, who I believe is their uh, linebackers coach or middle linebackers coach or whatever his actual title was. He actually got an interview for the defensive coordinator role. So they do see something in him that maybe they can develop him in that Vic Fangio uh, style defense going forward. Um, but I, I do think he has to take a look at, okay, who am I going to replace these people that the Miami Dolphins fired, if anything, right? Maybe he thought there were too many coaches and it was too bloated, not sure. But I think he's got to take a look at his staff and see if he can go uh, put people in place that weren't there before. I mean, Patrick Sertan has left. You know, He's now at Florida State. Is Sam Madison the right guy for Vic Fangio in that defense? Not sure. I think that's something that he's going to need to take a look at. And then, yes, I think from there, you got to look at your players and who's going to fit in your system or who's going to be you know, the system. Christian Wilkins, I think, can actually work in this Vic Fangio system. He's got that fifth year that we've already picked up. He's getting paid $10 million either way in the next season. But you're right. I mean, if he goes out and has a third record-breaking year in a row, we're not going to be able to afford him next year. So I think you're right. Maybe locking him up now before he becomes way too expensive for us later might be the right key. Uh, the linebackers have to be reimagined. I mean, they were, I think we have five of them that are going to be free agents anyways. And I don't know that Jerome Baker fits in this style of defense. So I do think that's going to be, you know, maybe after Christian Wilkins, that linebacking core is going to have to be priority one for Vic Fangio, whether that's the draft or whether that's, you know, free agency. We don't have a lot of money, whether it's a trade. I'm not quite sure how he's going to accomplish what he needs to accomplish, but uh, I, I believe you're right. I think he's got to take a look at those linebackers and figure it out. Chris Greer has to hit on our mid-round picks, and it has to be linebackers. Like, we have to get second, third, fourth round picks of guys that can fly around. Um, somebody I mentioned in my um, to you, and I, I knew you were going to be interviewing um, the guy at the Senior Bowl, was to ask about a Dorian Williams. He plays at Tulane. It's a kid uh, that actually my wife knows a family member of this player, and he was the defensive MVP of their bowl game. I mean, the guy – Flies around. He's a thumper. Um, somebody to look at in the fourth, fifth round, if available. I mean, we have to turn every stone to bring in fresh linebackers. And hopefully, uh, Vangio can also get something more out of uh, Channing Tyndall, who was our uh, first pick last year of the draft because of our trades, um, because he really left a lot to be desired as far as his rookie year, which is everybody gets a pass for that. But um, he, he, hopefully, he can turn into a player for us that he was at Georgia. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, and I, you're going to have to give me that name again because I'll probably forget when I talk to Joe DeLeon here in just a little bit. But um, I don't know that Jerome Baker's long for this team. I, I do think that's an area where, look, they can cut him after June 1st and save some money. I don't think his skill set matches with what we look for linebackers to do in a Vic Fangio defense. 
Um, just for those that are, you know, that don't know, and I'm not by no means am I, you know, a defensive scheme guru, but this is just what I know about a Vic Fangio defense. They disguise coverages prior to the snap. So they don't really show their hands, so to speak, as to whether or not they're doing man zone or what type of zone coverage they're showing. Basically, you're not going to see a lot of movement from our defensive backfield prior to that snap happening on offense. Once that happens, you're going to see all kinds of different disguises that go away and you'll see it revealed. That means that quarterback on the other side has to not only read that defense, but dissect it and make the decision, the right decision in real time while he's got big, you know, scary men haunting him down. And by big, scary men, I mean, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb played for Vic Fangio in Denver. He understands this defense. I think he's going to thrive as long as he stays healthy um, in this Vic Fangio-style defense again. I think the defensive line, typically what you see from a Vic Fangio defense there, Chris, is that you know they have one-and-a-half gap responsibilities, meaning they're going to shoot that main gap they have responsibility for, but do it under control. And what they're looking to do is be able to come back in case the running back cuts back or if there's some sort of you know, uh, blocking scheme where they can come back and actually protect against the running game in another gap. What that forces the running back to do is stop, pause, and try to bounce outside. That is the responsibility of the defensive line in this scheme is, yeah, if you can make a tackle, great. But in the run game, they're looking to push those running backs outside. Once you push those running backs outside, now you've got linebackers, now you've got defensive backs that can actually sit there, tackle, and hopefully, you know, keep it within that two yards of the line of scrimmage type of uh, uh attacking defense. That's what you're looking to do. You're looking to contain the middle, push the running game to the outside and let your your thumpers, as you call them, uh, thump and put those running backs on the ground. Now, when it comes to rushing the passer, not a lot of blitzes. Um, you know, there's there's typically four and five man rushes that are going on, but they're, you know, very minimal blitzes, not super aggressive like we see with Josh Boyer. You typically see two safeties back instead of one. So this will be interesting to see what happens with uh, somebody like Brandon Jones, who is basically in the box safety, right? One of the best blitzing safeties in the league. He's going to be asked to cover more often than not. So we'll see how that changes his game. I think this is huge for Javon Holland. I think Javon Holland's going to be, you know, thrown into the stratosphere as one of the best safeties in the game to where yes. everybody knows it, not just South Florida. Um, but yeah, you're, you're going to see a lot with Jalen Phillips. You're going to see a lot with Bradley Chubb being the superstars on that defensive line, getting to that quarterback. That's their job. That's their role. That's where they're going to be highlighted. Uh, it's going to be a matter of, do we have the right linebackers? You know, can we go out and get the right linebackers to run the system appropriately? And I'm curious, Chris, I know I just threw a lot at you, but, uh, I'm wondering given the fact that Vic Fangio was in such high demand and that he is in control of this defense. Now, does this change the draft strategy for the Miami Dolphins to, we're going to go heavy on defense and we're going to go get Vic the players that he needs. You have to. We're breaking records on the offense when when two is out there and healthy. We you absolutely have to. Other than like O-line and, and running back, which it Greer obviously sees that running back as a dime a dozen. You resign Mostert and um, you know, pick up some fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick running back or something like that to fill in. Um, which I don't know. Mike McDaniel is supposed to be the run guru, and we, we kind of struggled there in the run game last year. Uh, went very pass heavy, but when your offense has very little holes compared to the defense, and the offense is winning you ball games despite the defense. I mean, look at that Ravens game when you're down 28, fucking whatever we were, and had to make this epic comeback. It's because our defense collapsed and gave up yeah. tons of tons of points. Now it's the Ravens, and it was Lamar Jackson healthy, and he always plays this tough. Um, but but still, you, you got to shore up that defense. And if they go heavy defense, I'm fine with that. Absolutely. You get a linebacker or two 
get uh, or three, you know, bring in guys that can compete that fit his scheme. And the good thing is, is getting Fangio to sign officially after the Super Bowl is he's in every meeting leading up to free agency, every meeting leading up to uh, the draft. And I absolutely, to answer your question, think it uh, sculpts Greer's uh, plans as far as the draft goes um, coming up this April. So what do you think long-term, you know, if we're looking at this move and we're, and we're converting this move to wins and losses, I mean, how many losses we went nine and eight last year in the regular season, how many losses do you put on Josh Boyer's scheme play calling, basically the defensive coordinator, how many losses go to Josh Boyer versus just being beat by a better team or maybe the offense or something else. And how many wins does Vic Fangio give us just by simply being Vic Fangio for the Miami Dolphins. I think we're 11 and six at worst. If we have Vic Fangio because of two games and it's the San Francisco 49ers and it's the Los Angeles chargers. I mean, the, the scheme and what Boyer was thinking uh, or not thinking uh, we've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast that horrific third and long against the chargers where we put the entire defense in the end zone to give Eckler a fucking 15 yard head start. Uh, to get a first down and put them in the put uh give them opportunity to go for it and get the touchdown. I mean that's just middle school stuff. Like that's kind of stuff you don't do. And um, you know, how do you let Brock Purdy, who yeah, he came in and did okay. I mean, dude was super lucky. Like if you look at some of his stuff, stats yeah. were super bloated. I mean, they had a best defense in the NFL. Um, and it's just one of those things. Like, how do you let this guy come in cold, Mister Irrelevant? Uh, with the defense we had, obviously you didn't game plan for them, um, but there's just at least two wins, in my opinion. We're 11 and six um, at worst if uh, if Vangio is our defense coordinator. The thing with uh, the San Francisco 49ers game was like Brock Purdy came in and he was doing one read. Correct. Gross. That's all he was Check doing. Downs. He was he That's was snapping did, the ball and just going, you know, your primary target is Debo. I'm throwing it to Debo regardless. And that's how we beat that zero blitz and that aggressive style from Josh Boyer, where I think you're right. If instead, once that move had been done, yeah, you blitz him a few times, you blitz him intermittently, you blitz him sporadically to keep him on his toes, but you 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 kind of fall back. You and you wait for Brock Purdy to have to read a, a professional defense and Correct. make a decision while you've got one or two people on all of his playmakers. And they just simply did not do that in that game. Josh Boyer doubled down, started blitzing like crazy and credit to Kyle Shanahan. He went to his now third string quarterback and went, uh, just throw it to the first guy, you know, <laughs> that way it's, it's that's, that was always my thing with Boyer is either the adjustments were the lack of adjustments was just so frustrating. We're sitting here as uh, you know, kind of amateur podcast hosts um, sitting on our couches with a beer going, Hey, maybe press these guys off the line of scrimmage and rush four and force him to make a second, third read. So the, the rush gets home. Obviously it was getting home against the line because that's how Garoppolo got hurt was him getting hit by Phillips and, and, and those guys. So let him rush four. As you just said, have him read the defense as opposed to um, the easiest throw a quarterback from five years old can make, just throw it to the guy that's open um, you, you press and, and force him to actually hold on to the ball and make a decision. And that's where a seventh round pick is, is going to most likely lean towards mistakes in that situation. Well, uh, it wouldn't be the Miami Dolphins, Chris, if we didn't have even more news to talk about when it came came to staffing issues here for the Miami Dolphins. Yes, welcome to Perfect Will Vic Fangio, but uh, 
We're going to talk a little bit about the offensive side. You just talked about it was a record-setting offense this year, but it wasn't without its weaknesses. It wasn't without its controversy. It wasn't without its injuries. It wasn't without maybe some uh, some scheme issues that plagued, well, really every uh, every group on offense, but primarily the offensive line group. Uh, as Vic Fangio is walking in, Matt Applebaum, the offensive line coach, now former offensive line coach for the Miami Dolphins, was walking out and probably holding the door for Mr. Vic McFangio. Uh, Joe DeLeon's about to join us, so I'm going to talk to him about some prospects here with the Senior Bowl, and then we're going to get into it, Chris, because uh, we said welcome to Perfectville to Vic Fangio. we got to say goodbye from Perfectville to Mr. Matt Applebaum coming up here in just a little bit. Until then, Joe DeLeon's getting ready to join us. Let's go talk to him in the Senior Bowl, and we'll be back talking Matt Applebaum right after this. Joining me now, because that coward Chris Cullen hates guests, hates people other than Zachary Thomas and, of course, the Miami Dolphins, is uh, a man that I actually talk to probably more often than my own family members. Uh, of course, it's usually via email. He is, uh, geez, he's everything. Uh, he's actually one of the producers of this show, of this podcast. He's currently at the Senior Bowl, uh, checking out all the prospects that are actually going to be uh, on NFL teams here before too long. He has his own show. He's a part of the Believe Network, the very own Joe DeLeon. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing great, especially after that introduction you gave me. I th- that might have been top five best introductions I've gotten. I'm I'm juiced up. I'm tired, but now, now I'm juiced up to talk about these uh, these prospects for the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, and and look, we, we we've identified that the Miami Dolphins have some uh, some trouble spots. Like obviously, they made the playoffs. They've got their coach. You know, they're committed to Tua, but uh, we don't have any running backs on the roster. Literally, no running backs on the roster. Um, Raheem Mostert, unrestricted free agent. Jeff Wilson Jr., unrestricted free agent. Miles um, Gaskin, uh, unrestricted free agent. Then, of course, you have uh, the restricted free agent in Suvon Ahmed. So he'll probably come back just because he's mm. really, you know, got nowhere else to go. Uh, but that's where I wanted to start here. You're at the Senior Bowl. What do the running backs look like? As far as I can tell, the draft is deep this year when it comes to running backs. The Miami Dolphins don't have top picks because of various reasons. Um, so looking for a running back in this draft looks like they could maybe sit back a little bit and uh, take a pick maybe in the third, fourth round and still get good value. Uh, what are you seeing at the Senior Bowl when it comes to the running back class? Yeah, this year's running back group at the Senior Bowl isn't necessarily the sexiest group. It's not like we've got the top guys here, which are Jameer Gibbs and, and B. John Robinson and even Deuce Vaughn, who I think is a really fun player from Kansas State. None of those guys are in, in attendance. It's a bit of a, uh, you know, who's that guy, who's this guy type of a deal. But I will say there are underrated players and a few guys that have truly shined that I think could fit with the Miami Dolphins. One guy in particular, and I actually just hopped off my last show and we were talking about this guy because my co-host has a a, a Louisiana tie, Uh, Tajay Spears, the running back from from Tulane. And he brought up that he thinks that that Tajay Spears could very well be uh, an underrated late pickup for the right offense. And he brought up the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, but he didn't bring up the Miami Dolphins. And now that I'm thinking about it, now that as I was getting ready to, to hop on the show with you, I think that Ty J Spears fits really well with the types of running backs that we've yeah. seen come and play for Mike McDaniel in his time with the 49ers. Now with the, the Miami Dolphins fast athletic guy, we've seen a really good receiver the most important thing that I think works really well that he's in addition to him being a good athlete, he's got really good field vision. He's almost got that punt returner type field vision that he can see as things start to open up for him, which lanes to take 
in order to pick up more yards. So he's one name to pay attention to. Another guy that might not necessarily be a scheme fit, but has been really, really good is Roshan Johnson, who is the second fiddle to Bijan Robinson. I know that we're going to spend this whole cycle talking about, oh, is, is Bijan going to go in the in the first round? How high could he go? Maybe he's on the, the radar for the Dolphins' first pick. All those things are possibilities, but not enough people talk about Roshan Johnson is because of how overshadowed he was. What you get with Roshan Johnson is a great secondary running back, a guy that blocks his butt off, a guy that is going to be impactful on special teams, a good receiver. He is somebody who I bring in to spell my starter, and he picks up a, a you know a couple good chunk yards here and there. And again, most importantly, will block on third down. But for me, those two guys have been the best. There's other players here like Eric Gray from Oklahoma, uh, uh, Evan Hull from Northwestern, Chase Brown from Illinois. Those guys have been fine, but I think those two guys in particular have really stood out and have been creating some buzz for themselves. Yeah, well, that's good to hear, too, because the one tenant of the Miami Dolphins offense, which is a branch of that Shanahan tree, is speed, right? I mean, you got Jalen Waddle and you have Tyreek Hill, obviously mm-hmm. your wide receiver one and one A. Um, and when they aren't the option, what we've seen in terms of where Tua was most successful as a quarterback was dropping it down to the running back out of the backfield. And if you look at the running backs that we had last year, like I just mentioned, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert as your primary two fast guys that have good vision that can get through that wide zone blocking scheme, get to that second level and hopefully take off. I mean, there were so many uh, times here, Joe, this year that Raheem Mostert was like just an inch or two away from breaking a 75 yard run. Um, whether or not he comes back or not, we, we all hope he does come back, but having speed, and then you mentioned something that I think is key. The one area that I do think that we lacked a little bit was consistent pass catching out of the backfield. Uh, but you're saying these uh, these running backs, as you said, maybe not yeah. the sexiest names out there, but uh, they've got the hands to uh, to maybe be that third option out of the backfield for Tua Tungavailoa if Tyreek and Jalen aren't, aren't there. Yeah, and I think more and more in the NFL, it is becoming so important. To, like, like We spend so much time talking about the starting running back and the primary guy that's the lead head and like, Oh, can he catch the ball? What, what is this is his three down value. I think what we've seen from the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami dolphins is a more sustainable model, which is having a lot of guys that can do a, a couple different things, a, a slightly above average and consistently. And I think that both those guys fit that description. I think guys like Eric gray fit that description. Yeah. You want to have a good second running back that just can come out there, catch the football, make plays. And I think that, you could get value with some of these senior bowl guys that are that are here and showing up and doing doing a lot of those things during practice. Yeah, now let, let us flip to the other B, if you will, on the other side of the ball, and that, of course, being the linebackers. For the Miami Dolphins, they have no running backs on the roster once the new year starts. Uh, very similar with linebackers. I think they have five vacancies right now and probably more once they start to get underneath that salary cap. There are rumors that Jerome Baker may not be a scheme fit for whoever the defensive coordinator finally is for the Miami Dolphins once that's announced. Um, And he may be gone as well. So they have a lot of openings on the linebacker side, which has been the weak point for the Miami Dolphins. You know, the theory going into this past year was that they had a strong defensive backfield, which they were until they were decimated by injuries. And then, of course, they have a, a very good defensive line, which did hold true which they kind of gambled on getting, okay, maybe we can get mediocre linebacker play and that will sustain us because we have bookends on both sides of this defense, which will get us to where we need to be. Didn't quite work out that way. The linebackers were exposed. You know, I maintain, yeah, they had a couple of linebackers that had hundred tackles on the season, but they were 20 yard downfield tackles. That's not a good stat to have. It doesn't Mm. show you the full story. So the Miami Dolphins, regardless of what scheme they run, regardless of who's actually calling the plays have a lot of vacancies on the linebacker side. Um, 
who stood out? Same question on the linebacker side. Who made you turn your head and go, oh, that guy's going to be a player? Yeah, one guy who, when I did his evaluation, I, I wasn't super impressed. And I had a lot of question marks for him. But I saw him in person immediately. I, I was drawn to him. And then seeing him progress over the past couple of days has been super promising. That guy is Diane Henley from Washington State. He is more of a mid-round prospect. I had him graded as a fourth, fifth round guy. And I think that uh, he might get a little bit more of a bump from me the way that he's performed this week. He's a really long linebacker. He's got pretty long arms. I think he's like around 35 inch arms, but he's just built perfectly to play the position. Big, long, strong kid loves to hit people. Absolutely Mm. loves to hit people, which is always a fun thing to hear for any linebacker. But what impressed me the most that I didn't know that he could do, or just didn't get enough of it from him in college was pass coverage. And I've seen him cover some of the running backs and tight ends really well during practice. That to me is enough to give him a little bit of a nudge, maybe go back and rewatch another game to get more of a sense of what he's capable of doing. Another guy that's kind of a wild card, my co-host on my draft show, Ryan Roberts, gave me a little bit of a hard time for for getting uh, falling so in love with this guy. But Ivan Pace from Cincinnati is a confusing player, but I think one that has a ton of potential because you watch him at Cincinnati and he makes plays all over their defense. He's got a high motor, high energy, aggressive. The crazy thing is that he rushes the passer as well as some edge rushers in his conference. And he was one of the most productive guys in terms of tackle for loss and sacks in the American conference. The only problem is that he's really short and he's really stumpy. And to add to that problem is that when he showed up at the senior bowl, his measurements were even less impressive than what he was listed at. So he's like a five foot 10 kid. He's got like 29 inch arms. He is a really, really compact dude. But I will say a lot of those positives that showed up on tape showed up during practice. I saw a guy that uh, when he was blitzing against the running backs was unblockable. None of the running backs could block him because of that experience rushing the passer. I think that he showed some signs of improvement covering on on passing downs and in these one-on-one drills. I just, I'm a little wary because of the size. I I might bump him down because of the size, but I I had him as my fifth ranked linebacker because of how good he was, Uh, but he's somebody to pay attention to that that's just like a really, really high motor kid that at the very least would be a really good special teams player. Well, and that's that's kind of in my mind where, uh, you know, again, the Miami Dolphins do not have a lot of draft picks. They traded a bunch to build the roster that they have, good, bad or otherwise. So they are going to be looking for people that can probably contribute outside of your starting, um, you know, uh, defensive and and offensive sides of the ball just because they have a lot of mid and late round picks until they start you know changing it up and, and trading trading away or trading up trading down whatever the case may be i am curious about uh, i I'm, i know i'm going to mess his name up but that's what we're known for on this show uh, the, <laughs> the, the big kid out of texas to marvian overshone if, if i'm yes. not saying it correctly i apologize to demarvian no, he's no, taller you, than i am you said that perfectly that's the i believe that's the correct pronunciation he's six foot five, Joe. So whatever he wants me to call him, I'm going to call him. You know, I, 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 I'm at six feet and uh six foot five sounds awfully intimidating. So whatever he wants us to call him, I will call him going forward. But uh, how's he looked here uh, so far at the senior bowl? Yeah. D- DeMarvin Overshone is like the polar opposite of Ivan Pace because he's tall, he's long, he's stupid athletic, and he flies all over the field, but his instincts are terrible. Like oh, really? I, he, 
he is so fun to watch, but then it's, you're thinking to yourself, why are you going that way, man? Where, where are you going? The ball's going that way. Why are you stop guessing? Please stop guessing. I want to like you, but you need to stop guessing. The, the instincts are what they are. And I think going back with that theme of having guys who can play multiple roles, will play special teams. I think overshown, you know, has shown he's going to be a great special teams player. One of those guys that's just really athletic, covers punts, covers kicks. One of the first guys down there. He, I will say though, will shine at the combine. He is going to be physically one of the best linebackers at the combine. Um, but I think as a, as a warning to your listeners, don't get too hung up on the measurables and just know that as good of an athlete as he is, the instincts aren't really starter level for him to be a, a full-time starter on your defense. He is the bravest man in podcasting history. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Overshone doesn't have the good instincts. Mr. Joe DeLeon showing up and showing out here on the Perfect Bill podcast. Just talking prospects here at the Senior Bowl. I got one more linebacker, and then I'm going to switch to the offensive line and then just get your overall thoughts on the Senior yeah. Bowl here. Um, just because I love his name, but I, I'm hearing good things from uh, what I'm seeing on social media. Linebacker Servassier Dennis, uh, I believe is what, out of Pitt's pit if yes. i'm not mistaken yeah. um i'm hearing good thing the measurables are there and i heard some other people i didn't hear i read on twitter that uh he's actually showing up here at senior bowl practice days are you seeing the same thing when you see him or or uh what's the what's the story on mr servassier uh admittedly he's had good he's had a, a bunch of good reps i wouldn't say that he's been one of the top performers for me he looks good in the run periods and and that's you know that's great you want your linebackers to play play the run well that's inherently what the position was was for and that was the priority back in the day for the longest time was how do they play against the run and maybe we'll yeah. take you out on passing downs. I watched him get beat pretty badly on a lot of these one-on-one -on -one reps. Uh, he looks a little problematic in some of these seven-on-seven -seven reps. I did even make a note like there's you kind of have to mess up a bunch of times for me to write you down and say hey this guy's struggling. He was one of the guys that I wrote down during those pass coverage drills that he was struggling. Um, maybe because I, I've rewatched the film and also having watched practice, maybe there's some plays that I missed that he looked better, but, um, in general, I think he's been a hair inconsistent, but still a strong player. And you mentioned he definitely has, has those measurables. Yeah. Speaking of measurables, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the fat guys in football. Like I've always said, we've got the skinniest coach in the NFL and Mike McDaniel. I was <laughs> pounding the table last year, Joe, we needed a fat guy coach. We need a fat guy, head coach. You look at this league, fat guys rule the league. I mean, you look at uh, Bill Parcells, Andy Reed, uh, even Bill Belichick underneath <laughs> all that frumpiness has got nothing but fat rolls underneath that. Right. So I think fat coaches are uh, the, the wave of the future and the present. And I also like the fat guys up front. Uh, let's talk offensive line. Everybody can use offensive line help. The Miami Dolphins, I think, solved about three fifths of that last year. Went out and got Teron Armstead, converted Connor Williams from guard to center. Turned out to be one of the best moves that they could have done. He's a top five center based on just about mm -hmm. every single uh, website that you see out there. And of course, they have Robert Hunt, who has been playing right guard, uh, experimented at right tackle. Seems like he might be the future there. But uh, a couple names that I've heard, and one of them I think I only know because of the horror movies, but Andrew Voorhees out of USC. Uh, this is a guy that I have uh, his name underlined a couple times as a potential candidate. I don't know if he will be there when the Miami Dolphins are picking, uh, depending on when they need to, to go after an offensive lineman. But how's uh, Mr. Voorhees looked here in practice? Uh, Voorhees isn't at the senior bowl unless I'm. Uh, oh, is he not? He, he, unless I'm missing something. But I You're will right. say not, he was on the roster, but he doesn't he doesn't yes. hasn't appeared. You're right. Yes, because uh, I think he might be dealing with an injury. Uh, I don't want to speak too soon on that, but admittedly 
I have to say, Andrew Voorhees has been one of the more overhyped players in this process. He has, I watched his film over the summer and I did not get it. Uh, I think physically he's average. I think that he had, doesn't do a whole lot that screams to me, this is a first round starting offensive lineman. And I'm, I'm hoping that a team doesn't get caught up in the accolades, which probably won't be the case. I just think that his projection as it, what tends to happen is the evaluation process is just starting. A lot of people are just getting to the film now. Yeah. And then that's where, when the, where these decisions come from. So in the early stages, a lot of times draft media or um, you know film breakdown folks tend to just latch onto the guys that have a lot of accolades that made the all-conference teams. And that's why you keep seeing his name popping up is that that's what the easy thing to do is name the guy that a lot of people are familiar with. And then you sound, you know, you sound smart, but then in the, you know, in the long term, maybe he's a little bit worse than he can bump down after you watch the film. But I, I just, I do think that Andrew Voorhees has been a little bit overhyped um, based on what some of the, some people have been putting out there. Yeah. The, the last time the Miami Dolphins chose an offensive lineman high in the draft from USC, it was a guy named Austin Jackson, who has not quite Did not worked go out. Well. No. So uh, maybe, uh, maybe you are correct. Maybe we need to take him off the list. If you're a Miami <laughs> Dolphins fan, I got one more name. Cause I, I do know he's at the senior bowl. Yes. Uh, Matthew Bergeron. He's a name that I, I keep seeing pop up. He's had uh, what looks like some great answers to uh, some media questions out there. What are your impressions of him? Now, Matt Bergeron is somebody that I do really, really like one really cool tidbit. Uh, his his whole family has been in the stands watching him practice, and they're all wearing Matt Bergeron jerseys, which is like one of the coolest things that I, I kind of want to go talk to him, but I don't want to bug him. But it's just it's really funny because they're the only family doing that. It's just, it's just kind of a cool little moment. But uh, at the same time, Bergeron has been the epitome of consistency. He's never the guy that gets too high or too low. He's not the guy that's going to have like the crazy, oh, my God, rep. But he's the guy who doesn't lose reps because he is so consistent on a rep to rep basis. And I knew that going into the college football season, when I evaluated him over the summer, I have known that from watching his tape so far coming into this draft cycle. And he's backed that up during all of these one-on-one reps rarely makes a mistake. I think Matt Bergeron, the way that he has shown up and played has done enough to bring himself into consideration as a late first round pick, early second round pick really, Ah. really technically refined player. I'm a big fan of Matt Bergeron. Because one also key thing with him can either play out at tackle or maybe you've got a lot of other guys filled out in those spots. He's got the frame and the size to play guard. He even played a little guard today, but I'm a big, big Matt Bergeron fan. Yeah, Matt Bergeron, I think, is a guy that uh, is going to be on a lot of teams of draft boards. Uh, like you said, I'm hoping I'm hoping he's a dirty little secret that'll drop into the second, possibly third round. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it because uh, I think the Miami Dolphins can use a player like him on that line, especially something that's versatile like that. We had so many pieces that we had to shuffle around due to injuries and you know ineptitude, if you will, that uh, having good guard slash tackle play or somebody that can go from one to the other without missing a beat is you know worth their weight in gold. Um, all right, enough about the fat guys. We talked about the speed guys, Tajay Spears. We talked about uh, the linebackers. We talked about the offensive linemen. Selfishly, all the people that I want to know more about, Joe DeLeon, but I want to know what you know. Who is the player, regardless of position, that has made you write his name down in a positive way more often than not, more often than anybody else so far at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, the one guy I keep coming back to that I think has had the most meteoric rise just because he he was hurt for most of the year and he was playing injured is Keanu Benton, the defensive tackle from Wisconsin. He is such an interesting case study because at Wisconsin, 
he was playing primarily nose tackle. And he, he's not a nose tackle. He's a three technique. He can play in a number of different spots on a defensive line. And I think he's going to develop into a, a really explosive and dominant player at the next level with, with some time in, in, in the league. And what we've seen that he's not pigeonholed at nose tackle right now during practices, and he looks like he's back to fully healthy. I see a kid that is explosive, that is quick. He's got great feet. His hands are quick. He has been one of the most unblockable players here at practice. And I would argue that he has done enough to possibly push himself into the end of the first round. I would not be shocked if he is not a, a late first round pick. I think that there, there is a very strong possibility of the way that he has performed. But without a doubt, he is somebody who I just keep coming back to. And I, I feel redundant every time I keep bringing him up. But he deserves the recognition as just such a, a, a stout, stout player. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Citizens of Perfectville, you got the scoop right there. He's got eyes on the players. You don't have to look at your Twitter feed. You just have to listen to this show, which you are right now. <laughs> Joe DeLeon, uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe DeLeon. Uh, you can check out my show and all the other shows on the Believe Network on YouTube at Believe Network. Uh, and then also my other content that is separate from the not on the Believe channel, Hack City on YouTube, College Football, NFL Draft, all the great stuff. Um, so we can catch catch my shows. Well, there you go. Everybody looking to step their game up, know the prospects coming in. Joe DeLeon has got you hooked up right there. And again, uh, for all those people that hate my bet online live reads, it's Joe <laughs> DeLeon's fault. He's the one who sends me those live reads every single Monday. And for all those that love the creativity behind him, it's Joe DeLeon's fault. So uh, uh, there you go. Uh, I'll take that blame. <laughs> the unsung hero, producer extraordinaire of the Perfectville podcast, Joe. Joe, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. The holiday season may be over and the Miami Dolphins season may be over, but that doesn't mean you have to stop your shopping. No, you can still get everything you were always going to get at Amazon.com. But if you go to welcometoperfectville.com first and click on the Amazon link, you'll help out your favorite podcast for the Miami Dolphins. Keep the lights on. Because every time you click that link, a couple of extra dollars that you spend go back to this podcast. That's right. No extra fees. No hidden charges. Just your everyday Amazon ordering and shopping. But because you did that teeny tiny extra step, you help out Chris Collin, you help out Sam Marcoux, and you help out Welcome to Perfectville. So every time you shop, go to welcometoperfectville.com, click the Amazon link, and get all your Miami Dolphins Amazon.com shopping done by way of welcometoperfectville.com. Thanks. Unless you didn't do it, then no thanks. And we're back. Special thanks to Joe DeLeon holding it down at the Senior Bowl, giving us all kinds of good nuggets about the running backs, about the linebackers, about the offensive line, Chris. Uh, just a wealth of knowledge from super producer Joe DeLeon. Uh, what do you think of that interview, man? I feel like I felt like a journalist. Yeah, I mean, most journalists, uh, you know, follow up on tips, Um I'm looking at a text message I sent you uh, about asking about a certain linebacker from Tulane, Dorian Williams. And uh, well, you fucking forgot, Sam. Like, yeah. It, yeah. Thanks for that. I mean, I, we have a guy that's there, eyes on the field, feet on the ground. Um, yeah. And that's all I asked. I mean, literally, I had, I had like, I sent you to the grocery store with a list of one thing. <laughs> and you you came back with eight things, none of them the one thing on the list. I came so, back with magic beans. Yeah, great interview, I guess. Yeah, appreciate appreciate, buddy. Well, look, I mean, we did talk about the running back from Tulane, and uh, we talked about linebackers from Texas and Cincinnati. So, I mean, I feel like if you were to combine those 
three reviews. Uh, maybe you would get a nice review of Dorian Williams from uh, Tulane. My bad. My bad to uh, to Christopher Cullen. Oh, he's and, our producer. Uh, we can just call him. Yeah, Joe. Uh, I don't have his phone number. <laughs> I have his email. That's, all I, that's how I talk to him. Well, um, here, let's do it like this. He's probably listening to the show he produces. I mean, of course, right? Hey, Joe. I would hope so. Give, give us the deets on Dorian Williams. <laughs> Thanks. You can just email us. You, you've got my email. I don't have yours. You have mine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll do it that way here. But uh, you know, speaking of things that have forgotten, soon we will forget about Matt Applebaum, uh, former offensive line coach for the Miami Dolphins. Now one year and done. Uh, kind of uh, shocking, I guess would be the word here, Chris. He uh, we plucked him out of Boston College. He's got this zone scheme uh, background in terms of his 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 blocking uh, mechanics and and everything he wants from his players. He comes somewhat from the Shanahan coaching tree out of Washington, just like Mike McDaniel. It seemed like a young coach that was going to be here a while and and work with Mike McDaniel. But uh, no, instead, he's told to get the fuck out. And the Miami Dolphins are now on their uh, 10th offensive line coaching search in nine years. Uh, we talk about and stress the consistency needed on the offensive line and the offensive scheme as a whole. I thought we had that, but uh, Matt Applebaum out on his ass, sir. Yeah, we're either uh, our O-line coaches are either snorting coke and uh, FaceTiming hookers or one and done. Um, so, yeah, how about them Apple bombs? Uh, I don't know. It's just this it, kind of stinks. You texted me earlier about this. I didn't even see this news. I was pretty busy at work. And um, I was like, really? <laughs> we we were really excited about this hire. <laughs> like he's sending these linemen to the NFL and, um, you know, all Americans and this and that. And he's going to come in and be an upgrade over the guy that can't even talk and uh yeah one year and mcdaniel's like yeah i've had enough with this guy back to college you go um surprising but i do like that mike mcdaniel um isn't loyal to a fault uh you know what i mean these coaches that are like i mean we're struggling but it's a good guy he's put in a lot of work for me burns the midnight oil he's got a family he's just like you know what this ain't working man we got to go and just like trims the fat Let's bring in somebody else. Uh, I, I do appreciate that about Mike McDaniel. Uh, same thing with all of those Patriot holdovers. Hey, we gave it a shot, uh, but appreciate the help. Better luck next year. Yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you. You're, you're not. You're no longer employed by the Miami Dolphins. So, do like that from a leadership standpoint. As far as Mike goes, he saw we struggled still, even with the upgrade in Armstead, and um, he, he didn't blame the injuries. He just maybe they didn't work. There was no cohesiveness. Uh, but once again, like you said, no consistency. Let's. Get somebody in here for the long haul because th these searches every year. I mean, what out of those nine years, Sam? We've talked about it every offseason for six. <laughs> like we got to, yeah. we got to make a change. Yeah, it's it's very odd to me because you know, again, the other coaches that he let go of on the defensive side, those were holdovers, right? Josh Boyer and all those former New England Patriot guys. That kind of made sense, right? Like, okay, these are not my picks. They didn't work out. You know, no harm, no foul. Let's just move on. But this was the Mike McDaniel guy. This was the first guy that. Mike McDaniel's now fired. That was his hire. And it was one year in. And it seemed, I don't know, on the surface, it seemed like we improved. And I think part of that was going out and getting to Ron Armstead. We did move Connor Williams from guard to center. And that seemed to work out quite yeah, well. As, you know, yeah. so there were some successes on that offensive line. Granted, there were some injuries and there was some really bad play in some cases with Eichenberg and Austin Jackson and some others. But it kind of surprised me, Chris, to see this happen uh, also. You know, you, you look for clues, some context clues after something like this drops. I went on Matt Applebaum's Twitter 
And it wasn't like he was radio silence. It wasn't like he was trashing the Miami Dolphins over the past couple of weeks or that he'd said anything or even quoted anything bad. In fact, he's actually retweeting a lot of the players' stuff like Robert Hunt and Teron Armstead and all these different guys that he was in charge of coaching as early as like, or as late as like three days ago. So it seemed like everybody was in good favor. He's retweeting Miami Dolphins posts and everything else. So I'm a little surprised to see this happen. It seems like maybe this was a little bit out of left field. And I don't know that we'll ever get the the the, the appropriate answer, the right answer as to why he was fired. I have two working theories here, Chris. One, he did something he wasn't supposed to do. And it was a fireball offense. And they've moved swiftly to make that happen. Or two, maybe a player or two, kind of said they weren't too you know too too high on him as a coach or maybe they didn't like him or maybe they like the coach that doesn't speak and they because he didn't speak and you know they weren't getting yelled at. I don't know but uh it's it's interesting to me that uh Mike McDaniel got rid of a guy that he had hired a year ago I wonder what changed in one year to make him go this is the guy to lead my offensive line to I need somebody else yeah I mean without knowing it, it does make it difficult to uh speak on because it it is a one and done thing. And I don't know how much of the, was it the O-line actually improving or was it scheme? I mean, there's a yeah. lot of misdirection, a lot of keeping a tight end or in gold to block that probably masked a lot of issues as far as the O-line goes. And maybe they didn't see enough improvement from the guys that they've invested in draft picks and uh, free agency money into uh, where they just knew they had to move on to the next phase. Or maybe somebody came available that, uh, Mike McDaniel wasn't expecting and knew it was a clear upgrade. I mean, we'll, we'll really never know, but I think the next hire will be telling and maybe give us a little bit more answers. Yeah. And if not, we'll just make some shit up like we always Absolutely. do here. But you, know, you mentioned maybe somebody came you know, available that wasn't available before. And there's a name out there that apparently has already interviewed with the Miami Dolphins for the offensive line coach. <laughs> I really hope we fired the old guy before we <laughs> started yeah. interviewing the new guy. Or maybe we did it at the same time, like, you know. Uh, you know, Dan Rouchard's walking out of the office and they're like, oh, good timing, Matt. Hey, come on in here. We uh, we need to talk to you because Dan Rouchard is actually the guy that we interviewed. Dan Rouchard was the offensive line coach for the New Orleans Saints for a number of years. He's worked with Teron Armstead in the past. Uh, he was actually the architect behind that zone scheme that they used down there back when they were just setting all kinds of record with Drew Brees and that offensive line and, you know, people uh, running the ball behind him. So, Dan Rouchard's got about 30 some odd years of coaching. He's also in charge of tight ends. He's in he's been in charge of the run game uh for the New Orleans Saints here recently. I mean, he's got a lot of experience on offense in positions of need. Uh so when you start thinking about, well, maybe the tight ends need to block better. Uh maybe the offensive line just needs to be better. Maybe the running backs need to do a little bit more than what they did, although I thought the running backs played quite well all things considered this year. Uh, but Dan Rouchard is the first guy in to interview for this here, Chris. Um, I don't know a lot about him other than what I'm, you know, I'm getting a crash course on who he is, but he's a guy that's got 30 years of coaching experience. And we talked about this when we were talking about Vic Fangio, Mike McDaniel starting to surround himself with some veterans, starting to surround himself with people that have a proven track record. And it wouldn't surprise me if Dan Rouchard is the guy, um, if that's maybe the reason why he became available, he left the saints and Mike McDaniel said, if we have an opportunity to improve, I got to do it. Yeah, Mike McDaniel's not stupid. He, he went to Yale. Um, this screams to me um, that he went a full season through it. He brought in a bunch of young dogs, just like how he was. And he probably felt he had zero experience to lean on. 
to go, Hey man, what would you do in this situation? Or, or when you're at this place, how did, how did they do it? How did that work? I mean, you got to think about this is a guy that worked with Sean Payton. Um, you know, Vic Vangio has been around a ton of great coaches. Um, there's no one there to really pick their brain, uh, sit on uncle Remus's lap and ask him about the olden days. What worked, you know, when you had a player that was distressed, how did you handle it? You know, he didn't have that. He's talking to Wes Welker and Sam Madison and Sir Tanner are literally just like green as can be when it comes to coaching. And I think he maybe went over, over abundance uh, for bringing in youth and realized really quickly that he didn't have like that dad you can go talk to or ask. And um, having Vangio be coming in on the defensive side and this guy coming in with thir- three decades of experience at coaching, uh, that just screams, I need a little bit more gray hairs around because uh, I-, I just can't do it all on my own. And I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, you know, and it's funny too with Rashard because uh, he hasn't been offered the job yet, as far as I know. I just know that he interviewed with uh, with the team already. But uh, in doing some research on him, one of the things that he focuses on, and I'm sure this isn't—he's not the only one. I'm sure this is maybe like offensive line coaching 101. Um, but uh, he focuses on that first step. So when the ball is snapped, where are where yeah, that first step is a positioning step, right? Like it needs to be—I need to be in the right position so that when I drive on that second step, which is where I'm getting all my power from on that back foot. I'm able to do so and be effective with it. I mean, how many times did we see offensive linemen like the ball snapped and they stand up and the defensive back, the defensive uh, tackles already behind them because they're just yeah. in a bad position? Or how many times did you? I mean, I I saw Liam Eichenberg last year when he came back from his injury and like the ball snapped and he was all excited like, okay, I'm going to block somebody, I'm going to block somebody, I'm going to block somebody. Meanwhile, he's looking for somebody to block. He had no idea what he was supposed to be doing. His responsibility was, you know, lost on him, and he had bad positioning in, in general. So. You know, it maybe those little things, those little tactical things that uh, somebody like this uh, this Dan character can come in and fix, or somebody else. I don't know, but uh, I, I have to say this: I, I saw the news that Matt Applebaum was fired today, and I immediately got this sick feeling in my the pit of my stomach that uh, there's another offensive line coach, Chris, that was let go out of Dallas recently, okay. uh, and it made me feel queasy. And I ended up littering my candy wrappers all over the floor because I thought, oh my god, what if Mike McDaniel were to bring back Joe Philbin? former head coach for the offensive line job for the Miami Dolphins. What would you think if Joe Philbin showed his face around here again? No, just come on. There's just, there's no way. Like he's such a bad head coach. Um, and he wasn't even an offensive coordinator before that. He basically just like got the notes, <laughs> took notes from McCarthy who actually called the plays when the bullets are flying. Um, it, just based on his demeanor and the way he uh, coaches, from what I've seen in interviews and in practice videos and on hard knocks, that's just not the voice you want to bring in uh, because he's not that consistent piece. He's not going to be here nine years. Like, uh, I don't know. That's just not the answer, man. I saw that on Twitter floating around. I just was like, no, no, absolutely not. on This is exactly why I can never be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Cause the very first thing I would do is I would fill my staff with all of the old broken head coaches from the Miami Dolphins past. Like I would have Dave Wanstad on my staff. I would have <laughs> Joe Philbin on my staff. We've heard you fig- enough. I would have, I don't know even know if Jim Bates is still alive, but I'd have Jim Bates, you know, even if he wasn't, I'd have his casket on the sidelines coaching my Cam defense. Cameron's our running back coach. Hell yeah. I'd have Kevin Coyle out there. I'd have Jeff Ireland's the- a, a, a GM assistant or consultant. He just be he he would be in charge of walking around the stadium and the younger kids he would be asking is your mom a whore like that would be his entire job 
Uh, that would be Jeff Ireland's job. But I would strategically, Chris, I would have all the old ex head coaches of the Miami Dolphins, including Nick Saban, on my staff because it would be a horrible team. We would lose like a lot. And every single time we lost, I could just fire one of those motherfuckers once again, and everyone would still love me. I could go 0 for 17 as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. But if all my assistant coaches are old former Miami Dolphins coaches, I could just fire one every single week. And everyone would love me. I would have at least one full season of job security as the head coach, even if I was the losingest coach in NFL history for a season. Let's hire uh, Tony Soprano's uh, Sperano's uh, son, and he doesn't coach. He just literally wears sunglasses and and fist bumps on field goals on the sideline. He'll never get fired. I would have uh, hanging from the rafters of Hard Rock every time Jason Sanders kicked a field goal. It'd be this massive, like you know that Detroit fist and arm statue. It would just be that, like on a big old pendulum that just comes through the middle of the stadium and just <laughs> right between the goalposts. Like, can we get the old SmackDown fist? Yeah, like yes. yeah, I'd have the SmackDown fist that would just go flying <laughs> from one upright to the other, like just showing it that it went through the uprights <laughs> and a big fist pump, boom. That's Too bad I, it gained a lot of rust because Sanders can't make a fucking kick to save his life, <laughs> piece of shit. Well, that's a good segue. Speaking of what's coming up here on your favorite podcast about the Miami Dolphins here, the town of Perfectville, um, we're actually going to have our business meeting for everybody to hear here, Chris. We're going to do our planning, and just like Perfectville, we're going to do our planning for the 2023 season of Perfectville. It's already into February, but we're going to do our planning. We're going to talk about... What should we do more of? What should we, maybe what we should do less of? We're just gonna brainstorm. We're gonna we're gonna ideate idea idea eight. I don't know if that's a word. It is now, right here live for everybody to listen in on. And we're gonna tell you exactly what we're going to do in 2023, and then maybe we'll just actually do it. I'm not sure. That's coming up. Uh, we do have the Finzies, ladies and gentlemen. It's award season. The Finzies are coming back. We will have a couple of new members into the Perfectville Hall of Fame, as well as all your favorite topics, including Citizen of the Year. Uh, what else is coming up here, Chris? We've got uh, we've got the draft coming up here in a couple of months. Free agency. Yep, yep. We got tampering and free agency coming up. Which draft pick will the Miami Dolphins forfeit this year, ladies and gentlemen? We don't know. We'll speculate. We'll rumorate, but we don't know for sure until March. What else, Chris? Yeah, I, we can't end the show without mentioning the nightmare. It's over. Tom Brady, for good, has retired. Um. He's gone. He's done. The only person I feel bad for is Greg Olson because he's really good at what he does. Uh, way better than Tony Romo, who, by the way, I can still smell Josh Allen's balls on his breath through my HD TV. So, yeah, uh, Tom Brady is gone. The nightmare is over, even though he was in the NFC. Um, one cool stat somebody posted I wanted to mention. I thought it was pretty neat. I, I knew we had success against Tom Brady, um, but I didn't know we were the only team that has more than 10 wins against him in his career. Uh, and we have 12. So yes. the next, next closest is six by the chiefs and Broncos. Um, we have 12. So yeah, 12, uh, we're 24 and 12 against the dolphins own the bills. Got it. Didn't realize he was 33 and three against them yeah. in his career. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess that's good. <laughs> like we didn't lose the most. Yay. Look, we, we we tormented Tom Brady more than any other team. He yes. he has still has a record of 24 and 12 against the Miami <laughs> yeah, Dolphins. Right. He still has a winning percentage of 66% against us, and we still beat his ass 12 times. Out of those 24, there was probably another, I'm going to guess, five to seven that could have gone Miami's way. They just didn't for whatever reason. Um, the only team, at least in the regular season, that had a winning record against Tom Brady 
with the Kansas City Chiefs at six and five. That's it. That's the only team. Uh, the Niners, I think he was two and two. He had a 500 record against them, but the only team he had a losing record against was the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, say what you will about Tom Brady. Uh, I, I think, I, I just, I, I kind of think here, Chris, that, um, that Tom Brady's maybe going to make it into the Hall of Fame in 2028. What do you think? Yeah, and I think it also uh, solidifies that Aaron Rodgers will be back next year because there is no way he's sharing that spotlight with Tom Brady in the Hall of Fame. Well, uh, Tom Brady and J.J. Watt, by the way, because he's yeah, the one that yeah. just retired. So, I mean, although that would be an amazing Hall of Fame class if you had Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and J.J. Watt there. I, I don't – I Tom, Tom fucking Zach Thomas better get in before 2028 because he's not getting in on that one. Um, speaking of which, uh, Zach Thomas for the Hall of Fame, I, I think this might be the year, Chris. That's another thing coming up. If, if Zach Thomas makes it in the Hall of Fame, and we'll know next week at the NFL Honors, February 9th, um, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself on this show. I, I actually don't know. That's like 75% of my Twitter posts are me just harassing the pro football hall of fame, Twitter people for everything they post. I just respond with Zach Thomas. That's all I, I like I, at this point. I'm surprised they haven't banned me uh, or, or blocked me on Twitter because I'm just basically harassing them day in and day out. They probably got you muted and uh, they, you don't even, they don't even see your stuff. Um, we got to do a whole show for Zach. I, I think maybe like our best, Best plays, best highlights. Um, you know that that would just be. It just has to happen. Um, yeah. You know him and Jason Taylor belong to both be in there. Jason is has been for a while. It's Zach's time, so he really needs to go in. How about this? What if Vic Fangio does us all a favor and hires Zach Thomas to be an assistant linebackers coach for the Miami Dolphins, fresh off making it into the Hall of Fame, and now he gets out there and shows uh, the next generation of linebackers just how it's supposed to be done. That would be fun. Imagine, and then he gets a ring. Him and Marino oh. would get a ring. Oh my God! Come yeah, on, come I just, on! That I, ends I, the curse. That's everything. That's I, that's like you know when the genie at the end of the line and he holds his hands up and the the wrist things come off and he just goes, oh, "I'm free, I'm free," and he rubs his hands like so. And I'm, I'm going to go to Alaska. I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to do everything because I'm free. That'd be breaking the curse right there. Zach Thomas, it, Dan Marino getting rings. If 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 the Miami Dolphins got a Super Bowl and Zach Thomas and Dan Marino got rings as a result, uh, you would see my genie come out of the bottle for sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I'd be rubbing the lamp. Uh huh. That's Ooh, exactly okay. right. I only need one wish after that, and that is a good cigarette. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else. We it's almost made it through. Like we had a great guest. You know, mm-hmm. we 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 broke down like defensive schemes and offensive line schemes, and then we yep. ended it with rubbing our dick jokes. Yep. So that's perfect, Bill. You're there welcome. You Vic, Mick, Vangio, and dick jokes. Welcome to motherfucking Perfect Bill. Uh, welcome to Perfect Bill, you old man. See, what were you going to do if, if if Vic Fangio, let's just let's end on this what if. If Vic Fangio decided to go somewhere else, let's just say he went to the Niners instead of the instead of the Dolphins, what would have been your justification on here? Like what would you have said it's okay because? Um we have to go go get somebody very strong, like a, a Chris Richard or something like that, uh, to bring in. But uh, that'd be frustrating because he was definitely my top pick, and it was by a lot. Yeah, I would have just said because he's old. I didn't want that old man anywhere near my young team. I would have I would have just thrown everything at it because I would have been hurt so bad that uh, you know I would have just lied about shit. You know, he smells dogs. What I don't know. That seems I hope weird. he's like I, he, he's Italian. I hope he's like. I hope he's like that old guy that like is a hard ass the whole year. And then like we win the division and there's like video of him in like in the, you know, the locker room and all the young players are cheering. Cause like 
took his shirt off and he has like a cigar and they're pouring champagne on him or something. Like that's what I'm hoping to see. That's my ridiculous prediction is a shirtless Vic Mick Vangio with a cigar getting champagne sprayed on him by like Javon Holland and McKinley and uh you know Christian Wilkins just like slapping him on the ass with a towel or some shit and he's just fucking wasted and we're celebrating a AFC championship game or something. There's my ridiculous prediction. That's a shirtless Vic Mick Vangio. And Zach Thomas is in the quarter, just headbutting a locker for no reason. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, uh, on behalf of Chris Cullen, Sam Marcoux, the entire Believe Network streaming on SiriusXM and TuneIn Radio, presented by BetOnline.ag, the only thing left to say, Chris, is goodbye from Perfectville. Later. I have to shit. You know what the problem is with shitting? Like, I enjoy the process of pooping. It's fine. Whatever. Like, it's just that I, I can actually feel it leave my body. I feel better. The problem with having to shit is that, like, no matter what else you're doing, as soon as you realize that you have to shit, it just ruins everything else that you're possibly doing. Like, it's just, it's such an interrupter. It's just like a red light on life right then and there. Yeah. See, I look at it as a, like a chance to get away and just kind of. Don't to do anything. Oh, no, no, no. The, the process like, is amazing. Right. Okay. Yeah. But like just the realization, like you could be doing and like, mowing the lawn, like, oh, God, I got, I have like five more minutes, but I have to shit. And like yeah. that, even if you push through that without pushing it out, it's still just an interrupter. Like it's just, it stops your brain dead nuts into whatever. So ever since I got the bidet, uh, per your recommendation, you're welcome. Um, I hate I, I can't shit at work so it's, it's like i go to work in an hour i'm like i'm fucking holding it like, i have to i have to wait i have to yeah. make it and uh it is one of those you're just like oh my god you know like jesus christ especially your client facing and you just like walk away to the bathroom to rip some ass real quick and then you get home and there's that sweet sweet bidet is yeah. just uh chef's kiss or poseidon's yeah. kiss i should say when the water comes back up and hits your butt cheeks the poseidon's kiss <laughs> I get it. Yeah, no, it's like I'll go septic, man. Like I won't. I just won't poop without a without a bidet. Like if you don't have a bidet, I, I probably am not coming to your house. Like I don't care if you have the best Super Bowl party and it's legendary. If one of the prerequisites do you have a bidet, and if it's no, okay, well then just good luck with your party. Like I'm not coming over. Who shits at a Super Bowl party? What are you doing? Well, Pre pregame uh, shit, not, buddy. Well, okay, but like, look, when you're well, my age, great, great queso. I'm going to go take a dump like at your house. I don't know. That's just no, <laughs> that's not a thing. You know, what's even worse though. When, like I'm, are you a friend of the neighbors? I'm friends with my neighbors, right? Nah. Like, so yeah, fuck your neighbors. That's stupid. But uh, my neighbor, like I'm friends with him and he's two doors down. And like, I, like if I'm over his house and I have to shit, I just shit at his house <laughs> and he's like, go to your house. I'm like, no, it's right here. <laughs> does he, he have, have a bidet? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. He does. So yeah. His cat. What? <laughs> He has a cat with that. <laughs> All right. Wipe my ass with the cat, I guess, is where I was going with that. I have no idea. This is the bonus content, I suppose. I'm going to leave this in. Whatever. All, All right. right. Well, bye. <laughs> bye. Bye, everyone. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.